We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. so late getting to my urgent education. Uh, I've not done Daniel yet, so I'll be doing that tomorrow. It's been one of those days. As you can see behind me, I forgot to make my bed. Now my cat's on there, so I apologize for that. But uh, I wanted to uh, finish up. Well, I actually have one more little snippet on the Second Amendment, some things I've been studying outside of this handy-dandy little book by David Barton. Uh, but I wanted to um, finish up his writings and my thoughts on that. And then um, probably next week, I'll finish up on some of the things I've been studying. And then, of course, I'll be off the week of Christmas um, through New Year's. Uh, but the Second Amendment was basically a reflection uh, of the belief that was present in the states, in the colonies even, before they were states. And the state constitutions are the fourth source that affirms our right to bear arms and what the founding fathers originally intended in that, and that they understood it was an individual right. Uh, one of the clauses uh, from a state constitution in Delaware, so this is 1792 and also in 1831, it says, through divine goodness, all men have by nature the rights of enjoying and defending life and liberty, and of acquiring and protecting reputation and property. So remember, when you see the phrase, by nature, that is uh, inalienable rights, unalienable rights that are given by God, uh, not man. But notice defending life and liberty. That's a phrase in the uh, Declaration of Independence, uh, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so the primary, which I will show next week, focus of the Second Amendment was to protect ourselves against tyrannical government. Protecting your home and your property was secondary. Uh, and so the founding fathers were very plain on that. Um, it also says all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights on which among are the rights of enjoying and defending their lives and liberties and of acquiring, possessing, and protecting property. That's in 1868 in South Carolina. Uh, then we have um, the same phrases used just to show you in all of these states right here that says all persons have certain natural, essential, and alienable rights, among which may be reckoned the right of enjoying and defending our liberties, of acquiring, possessing, and protecting property. 
Uh, we've got uh, in Colorado, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, this is in the 1800s, derived no person to keep and bear arms in defense of his home, person, or property in aid of the civil power when thereto legally summoned shall be called to question. We've got Idaho, Kansas, and Utah. The people have the right to bear arms for their security and defense. We have more states in the 1800s that say every citizen has a right to bear arms in defense of himself and state. Georgia, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, even more uh, states, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. So we've gone through early legal uh, commentaries and documents. We've gone through the Founding Fathers' ideas on the Second Amendment. We've gone to um, state Bill of Rights. Um, and then we've got state constitutions. So the the history, what I've been showing over the last uh, few weeks is that the Second Amendment is a right that has been respected and has been um, enforced uh, since the beginning, even before we became a nation, like I showed uh, you guys last week, we were supposed to, by law in a lot of the colonies, uh, carry weapons. And, uh, and that the individual is militia. That was the original intent of the fathers as well. Now, what's interesting is that they made it very plain that the right to bear arms was um, a right that was not to be infringed in any way. There wasn't supposed to be any type of regulation, anything put on that right to bear arms. Uh, in fact, the reason for that is because Great Britain had tried to take away our weapons already, and it actually caused a scuffle. And so they rescinded their order. Um, they know that the last step of taking over a nation is to disarm the people. So what I'm going to show you guys next week, just as a little preview, is that the the idea of the Second Amendment, that it's not infringed upon, was priority and first for our defense against tyrannical government. And then protecting your home and your property, that was secondary. That was just a natural byproduct of having a weapon. Um, and it's amazing how far we've come from the original intent. If we go by the Constitution solely and we go by the original intent of the Founding Fathers, uh, no background checks should be required. No concealed carry classes should be required in order for me to have a permit. I should be able to have my gun anywhere in my car, anywhere in my home, anywhere on my person. But what happens is because we don't understand the Constitution, our Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, the history behind all of these things, laws and regulations are put in place for the good of society, for the general welfare of the people, of which that never was supposed to pertain to anything that violated the original intent of the Constitution. Things are made because of the bad decisions of one person or select people, such as school shootings, things like that. And so our rights are just regularly being undermined by laws and regulations. And it would be neat to see if we could get people together that would take this to our state Supreme Court and then to the, the Supreme Court itself. Because if you live in a state that's leftist, they're not going to 
repeal or get away or do away with any laws more than likely. Although judges shouldn't be conservative or liberal, they should be constitutionists. Um, but anyway, it, it'd be interesting to see if we could challenge um, concealed carry laws, if we could challenge background checks. And I get why you do background checks, but here's the deal. Criminals get them anyway. It doesn't matter. So it may slow down someone that's mad and getting a gun, having to wait for a background check. But guess what? Not now because you can get it within seconds. Um, so anyway, it just, we've got to stop giving our liberty away for public safety. Um, it's, um, what would you say? It, it, it's not going to solve the problems of crime. Crime is a heart condition. And if the people of God transform cities and counties and states, then we won't have crime problems. But because we're abdicating our role in society in general as a church in this nation, then then the government is stepping in and regulating by law what we should be doing by heart. And uh, so conclusions and um, solutions uh, I like this uh, paragraph where it says the founders made clear that when the meaning and thus the application of any part of the Constitution was to be altered, it was to be at the hands of the people, not at the feet of the court or through the encroachment of the legislative body. So what that means is regulation and infringing upon our rights to the Second Amendment. Um, the only way that we, that should even be allowed is if we amend the Constitution, which is what Article 5 is. And there's a certain process that we're supposed to go through. Um, also, the last resort should be the court system. But instead, it's becoming the end-all answer for any dispute in this country. It's supposed to have the least power. So the reason they're having more power is we're electing people who don't even know what the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, say. And so they're getting into office and they're allowing lobbyists and pressure from people to cause them to make decisions that are um, supposed to be null and void if they violate the Constitution at all. I mean, our founding fathers said that over and over and over. And I feel they're going to continue to erode our rights. They're going to make weapons so expensive because of regulation and taxes that a lot of people are not going to be able to afford or they're going to limit the amount of munitions. Remember when Biden got into office, he wanted to limit um, magazines to be 10 bullets. Well, guess what? That would have ruined every gun. Every single gun has, well, I don't know if it's every single, but the majority of guns have 12 uh, or more bullets. Extended magazines would have been illegal. So they're going to try to do that type of thing to take away our rights to bear arms uh, without the consent of the people. And any government that operates without the consent of the people is an unjust government. I cannot wait till we start tackling religious liberty, guys. Just wait. Just wait till I get to that whole separation of uh, church and state. And I get to the whole shutdowns and the 501c3 deal. It's going to be very interesting. Okay, so the people alone have an incontestable, unalienable, and indefensible right to institute government and to reform, alter, or totally change the same when their protection, safety, prosperity, and happiness require it. Um, this was by Samuel Adams. George Washington also warned Americans to adhere strictly to this manner of changing the meaning of the Constitution. If, in the opinion of the people, the distribution or the modification of the constitutional powers be in any particular wrong, let it be corrected by an amendment 
in the way which the Constitution designates, but let there be no change by usurpation, for though this in one instance may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. And that is exactly what I'm saying. These laws and regulations for the good of the people, Washington just said is the weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Our liberty, our freedom should never be sacrificed for the instrument of good. It should be amended in our constitution if we want legitimate uh, change to things. And that's in executive orders fall into that too. Executive, we don't have kings. Kings give executive orders and decrees that they shouldn't carry any weight whatsoever unless they're supported by law. But even then, I don't see what these uh, decrees, I don't know why we keep putting up with them. Why? why we're, we've got so much work to do and sometimes it's overwhelming to get this country restored. Alexander Hamilton echoed this morning saying, the constitution is the standard to which we are to cling. Under its, under its banners, bona fide, without deceit, we must combat our political foes, rejecting all changes, but through the channel itself provides for amendments. Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story, great guy, um, he uh, declared there can be no freedom where there is no safety to property or personal rights. Whenever legislation breaks in upon personal liberty or compels a surrender of personal privileges upon any pretext, plausible or otherwise, it matters little whether it be the act of the many or the few, the solitary despot or the assembled multitudes. It is still, in its essence, tyranny. It's, it matters still less what are the causes of the change, whether urged on by a spirit of innovation or popular delusion or state necessity, as it's falsely called, it is still power, irresponsible power against right. Did you get that state necessity as it is falsely called? Why are they talking this way? Because they saw their kings doing these very things. In fact, the, the first um, Constitution 101 class that I'm going to conduct is going to be January 21st, 2023. I'm finalizing the location um, it's going to be open to all. I'm going to try to do a hybrid meeting and I'm going to take you into why they're saying these things and show you the legal route our founding fathers took for us to be formed as a country. They didn't just do it willy nilly. They didn't just pull stuff out of the air. They had legitimate reasons for the actions that they took. And I think that when we understand those things, it helps us better protect and defend our rights, uh, allowing any smaller league group, no matter how loud they may be or how powerful they may seem to be the de determinant in the interpretation of the Constitution, places America under what uh, President Thomas Jefferson so aptly described as the despotism of oligarchy. Uh, now, there may be some things that, you know, like he says, appeal strongly to our humanitarian instincts, but they, the founding fathers called that argument fallacious. They and subsequent generations of Americans long understood that the key to a safe society rested not on the regulation of guns, swords, knives, or any other kind of weapon, but rather on the regulation of the heart, something accomplished only by the combined influence of religion and education. 
okay? Like one said, the, the paper that the Declaration and the Constitution, all that's written on, is useless if we don't have a society that is governed by morals. And they also understood whether they believed in God or not, whether they were Christian or not, uh, even Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, understood that morals are taught from the Bible. In fact, that was the original reason we had schools, was to teach the Bible so our society remained moral because they knew once it was no longer moral, we were in danger. John Quincy Adams, he was a president, U.S. representative, and U.S. senator. He said, human legislatures can undertake only to prescribe the actions of men. They acknowledge their inability to govern and direct the sentiments of the heart. It is one of the greatest marks of divine favor that God gave them rules for the government of the heart. Um, let's see. So because religion, unlike civil statutes, addresses murder before it occurs, while it's still only a thought in the heart. See, that's, that's why they want us to teach morality. That's why they want us to um, teach the Bible is because if we can stop a murder because a heart has changed, that's better than regulating a heart by law. Even the Bible says that. I mean, you know, it says that uh, the strength of sin is in the law. That's in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. The law actually causes sin to grow in the heart. But if you have Christ and you follow the law of love, then you don't even want to want to sin. Sorry, I just threw my book let me get back to my place here. And that's important to understand um, because uh, laws don't change hearts. They simply uh, relegate and manage um, people and, and hopefully punish those that have wicked hearts that do bad things. Civil law cannot prevent hate, but religion can. And while the attitude of hate, legally speaking, is not a crime, it often leads to a crime, assault, murder, slander. And it is not the law, but religion which successfully confronts hate and thus can prevent its crimes. Um, our founders often would say our constitution was made only for a moral religious uh, people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That was John Adams. Uh, three points of doctrine form the foundation of all morality. The first is the existence of a God. The second is the immorality of the human soul. And the third is a future state of rewards and punishments. Let a man disbelieve either of these articles of faith, and that man will have no conscience. He will have no other law than that of the tiger or the shark. The laws of man may bind him in chains or may put him to death, but they can never make him wise, virtuous, and happy. That was John Quincy Adams. When the minds of the people in general are viciously disposed and unprincipled and their conduct disorderly, a free government will be attended with greater confusions and evils more horrid than the wild, uncultivated state of nature. It can only be happy when the public principles and opinions are properly directed and their manners regulated by religion and education. That was Abram, Abraham Baldwin, signer of the Constitution and then framer of the Second Amendment. The primary objects of government are to peace, order, and prosperity of society. That's Oliver Ellsworth. Without the restraints of religion, men become savages. That's Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration. I mean, it keeps going on and on. John Witherspoon, a signer of the Declaration, said love to God and love to man is the substance of religion. When these prevail, civil laws have little to do. So when religious principles are suppressed, neglected, disregarded, then government has to use extreme manpower and expend a lot of money to regulate and restrain behavior. Uh, Benjamin Rush also said, in contemplating the 
political institutions of the United States, I lament that we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them by the universal education of our youth and the principles of the Bible. I mean, this is one founding father after another. This is what they believed. And again, even the least religious like Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson also believed that religious instruction was one of the keys to maintaining our liberty. Training young persons both in the handling of their heart and in the handling of weapons was long proved by experience to be the best preventive for violence. So that um, completes, I mean, if you look at this tiny little book, look at all the end notes that he has. Um, these are uh, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. They're first sources. They're not second. They're not anonymous. These are from uh, the mouths of our fathers, our justices, our citizens on the Second Amendment. So, like I said, we're going to get into a little bit more next week. And then hopefully tomorrow I will do the Daniel Company training. That's been some marketplace training. We're going to get into some end times uh, some end time doctrine. I think that will bless you. Uh, no reason to be scared of that. Uh, and so hopefully I will see you tomorrow. I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to have anything prevent me from getting on. If not, I will for sure uh, do the Daniel Company training Saturday. So anyway, I hopefully will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great night. Again, I apologize for the unmade bed. I hope you guys sleep well and have a great day tomorrow. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The Ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a mobile, organic community, not a system. If you felt like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole, or you know there's more, this training might be for you. If you know that God is moving in the marketplace and you want to be equipped to partner with him, this training is for you. If you understand that the call is to disciple nations, you must be equipped with this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.